Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Florida Prospect Report. I'm your co-host, Bailey, here with my co-host, Eric. And for today's episode, we're joined by special guest, Justin Rock. Justin is the play-by-play announcer for the Daytona Tortugas. Justin, thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. And we're really excited to dive into the Cincinnati Reds farm system. It's a system I'm quite familiar with, as you know, as I like to go to a bunch of Daytona Tortugas games. So just going to dive right in and talk about the top two arms, the top of the system, Nick Lodolo and Hunter Green. Uh, these are two players who can conceivably contribute to the Reds in 2022. What are your expectations for them next year, respectively? I mean, I think they're going to both start the season in AAA. Um, you know, they're both going to be in Major League Spring Training. I know they announced yesterday Lodolo. Uh, will be a spring training invitee, and obviously Hunter's already on uh, the 40-man roster. But um, I think both of them have a very high chance of getting to the major leagues this season if they stay healthy. Um, you know, it's one of the sad things uh, of many during the pandemic that, you know, Lodolo and Green probably at some point in 2020 would have been in Daytona Beach. Uh, I'm sure Lodolo would have started the season there. Uh, it was sort of up in the air with Green with him coming back from Tommy John surgery. Um, obviously, you heard a lot of reports that season from summer camp um, about how good he looked, and obviously he showed it uh, this past summer in 2021. Um, but I think both those guys, if they stay healthy, they're right on the cusp. Uh, I mean, they shut down Green and Lodolo basically towards the end of last year uh, with their futures in mind. And, you know, I think part of the – you know, the strategy for what the Reds are doing right now with their rotation at the major league level, um, have Lodolo and Green, uh, you know, in their plans potentially for uh, this season because of how good both look at times at the highest of all minor league levels. So um, it's going to be really interesting to see what both of them worked on this offseason. And, uh, you know, fingers crossed we get spring training sooner rather than later and we can uh, really get a full breadth of, what they're going to do and what they could potentially do uh, in Cincinnati this season. I'm going to piggyback on that actually, and uh, follow up with a, a about uh, green. When he was drafted, it seemed like he was on track to be an ace and adversity and injuries have affected him. But as somebody who knows the system, is it reasonable to, ex- to still expect him to be that dominant number one? when his development is done. It's certainly, he certainly showed it uh, in the minor leagues this season. I mean, he cut up double a, uh, the old former Southern league with Chattanooga. And then, you know, had his ups and downs in triple a, but I mean, he showed flashes and he certainly showed the ability to not only, you know, pitch well at high levels, but also pitch, you know, be able to keep the velocity that makes him such a right impressive talent deep into games. You know, he still hates himself well, well over triple digits easy, you know, in the fifth inning. And he was doing that uh, early in the season as well when he was throwing more, you know, six, seven innings uh, at Chattanooga when they weren't as, you know, focused on his innings count at the time. Um, so because of that, I think he's going to get as many opportunities as possible to Good. be that kind of number one guy. And you know what, if all else fails, you know, I th- I'm sure the Reds will find a way to make him work in the bullpen uh, with that high-velocity arm like they did with a guy named Chapman a number of years ago. 
Absolutely. I think whatever role they find for Green, he'll thrive in. I think in the rotation, you know, a rotation with him, Lodolo, Molly, Castillo, and others could be really exciting. Not bad. Um, absolutely. And, uh, you know, looking at the top hitter in the system right now, uh, Jose Barrero. This is a guy who really broke out when he was in Daytona in 2019. I, I was just mesmerized by what I saw. I feel like every game I went to, he had an extra base hit. Um, and I'm expecting really big things for him in 2022. So I'm curious – um, do you expect him to play the majority of the season in the majors or in triple a and what do you expect his stats to be? Um, you know, he's got such incredible potential. Um, I remember that season, you know, we were talking about it really towards the end of this past summer, reflecting on it, you know, the infield that Daytona had in 2019, my first season there was ridiculous between, uh, Jose Barrero when he was still Jose Garcia, Jonathan India, and Alejo Lopez. I mean, those three guys are already in the major leagues. And the infield, uh, you know, we'll get to talking about some of those guys a little bit later, I'm sure. Uh, in the infield this season, we're out of this world as well. Um, but I think Jose is going to be given as many chances as possible to, to stay in the major leagues. I know the offensive numbers haven't uh, reflected the minor league performance. Uh, quite yet at the highest level, but he's so gifted. And I think, you know, for him, it's just a matter of getting more at bats and more reps. Um, you know, as he was, you know, I think his 2019 season in Daytona is, you know, the best example of that. You know, he got off to, you know, a little bit of a, a slow start. Um, you know, it took a little while for him to get his feet wet. And then by mid season and, you know, the, the backstretch of the campaign, he was, you know, hitting extra base hits every time up, it felt like. You know, the power numbers began to grow and grow. Um, ended up leading the league in extra base hits that season, um, which, you know, was impressive for a guy that really missed the first month of that entire campaign with an injury. So uh, I, I think he has the potential to be, you know, a 300, you know, 2020 guy. Will he be that in 2022? Um, you know, that's to be seen. But uh, I hope he gets the opportunity to, you know, show what he can do at the major league level, not just necessarily in the outfield, but uh, at his natural position at shortstop, which I know will be interesting to see how it develops. Looking at a primary defensive uh, position, another top 10 prospect, Matthew Nelson. Is he truly a catcher, in your opinion? If not, is he a good enough hitter? to maintain a high ranking, and when does Jackson Miller start providing some competition on that depth chart? Um, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I'm hopeful that, uh, well, not not going to happen because obviously he went straight to a, to high A last year after being drafted. Uh, but, you know, Nelson seemed to, you know, heard only good things about what he was doing uh, up in Dayton this season or last season. I'll be curious to see. Uh, where he will start the 22 campaign, right. uh, you know, in high A in Dayton again, or will they uh, push him up to double A in Chattanooga? Um, could be possible. I know the Reds have uh, some catching depth in the organization. I know, you know, Daniel Veoheen uh, is in all likelihood going to get moved up to high A, so he could get just bumped up to double A just because uh, to give him the most opportunities for at bats uh, on a consistent basis. But like, you know, with, with the Reds, I think they've done this consistently. They're going to try and keep guys 
uh, at their natural position as much as humanly possible until they're up in the higher ranks and they're getting closer to the major leagues. Because Jonathan India, I mean, he didn't play any second base at all until the second half of the 2019 season in Daytona. That's a good example. That's an excellent example. And even then, he only played a handful of games. So, uh, you know, I think he's going to be given the opportunity. And look, I think the DH is coming to the National League sooner rather than later. So, you know, worst comes to worst, if if Matt continues to hit, um, he's going to get the opportunities to, to play at the highest level. As for Jackson Miller, I mean, for him, it's just a matter of staying healthy. Um, everything I've heard from him is just, you know, banged up. And as soon as he comes back, it, it's, you know, it's an illness or, or you know, he's injured something else. Um, so, you know, he's got all the potential in the world. Uh, everything you hear about him from Arizona is positive in terms of when he is on the field. Um, it's just a matter of staying healthy. And hopefully he's, uh, you know, at a point physically where he can be on our opening day roster uh, in Daytona come April. And uh, we'll be able to get some uh, eyes and ears on him and, uh, you know, see what he can do. For sure. And to piggyback off of Eric's question, uh, I want to talk about the other two first-round picks that the Reds had in the 2021 draft besides Nelson, and that would be Matt McLean and Jay Allen. McLean obviously leapfrogged Daytona, so we didn't get to see him there, but Jay Allen should be starting in Daytona next season. And I'm just curious about, first off, your first impressions on what you saw, at least, I guess, in videos or stats from uh, their respective debuts, because I thought they had really strong debuts, and then what you expect their role in the organization to be going forward. Um, I think Matt's going to go start the season in double-A in Chattanooga. Um, we'll get him lion's share of the opportunities at, at shortstop. I think they'll probably do something similar to what they did at Dayton at the end of the season last year because I think Ivan Johnson uh, proved that he deserves an opportunity to start the season at double-A as well um, and you know, sort of piggyback between the two of them and flip-flop between shortstop and second base. Um, but he looked really impressive in Dayton um, from the videos I saw on, on MILB TV when I had some downtime uh, during the season. Um, I've heard nothing but great things about his character makeup, which uh, is a great thing to hear. Um, he's super athletic. So, if, you know, obviously there's so many guys in the system that can play shortstop. Somebody's going to have to move somewhere else so he can, you know, play multiple positions. I'm sure they'll start to give some looks. You know, maybe not in the game, but uh, certainly maybe in, in practice and warmups to, you know, start trying him out in some different spots just in case. Um, but he's really interesting, and I think he's going to be uh, phenomenal. But as for Jay Allen, uh, I saw nothing but amazing things about what he did uh, in the Arizona League. He was the one guy in the draft that I was uh, sort of interested in about whether or not the Reds would be able to sign him to a contract. I know he. Uh, was also a quarterback in high school, was, I think, a three-star recruit, and was beginning to get some looks for college there. Um, but the way he hit the ball off, you know, in Arizona, there's no doubt he made the right choice. And uh, I'm really excited to see him play all his uh, prospect videos. They showed him the draft were filmed at Baseball Factory Showcases at Jackie Robinson Ballpark. And you're watching the draft, and like, that background looks oddly familiar. Huh. Um, so – uh, he's definitely familiar with uh, with the surroundings, uh, so hopefully that'll help him get acclimated really quick. He's a Florida kid, so I'm sure he'll have a lot of family, uh, uh, not only at the Jack, but around the uh, the league this season. And 
Um, I think, you know, he's going to be an exciting player to watch uh, at the Jack this season, you know, roaming center field. There's been a lot of good center fielders defensively out there, and uh, uh, we'll see how he uh, compares. Actually, that inspires my question about center field and Jay Allen. A guy like that, a dynamic, like, mover, did he instantly become the best athlete in the organization? Because Austin Hedrick, Hendrick seemed to hold that title for a while, and I think, like, as they both gain weight, one might be able to retain the athleticism a little bit more. As someone who watches them and knows the system, what is your take on, on that? Um, there are a lot of really good athletes uh, in the system. And honestly, I, I don't think necessarily Austin would uh, even be maybe even the top three in that conversation. I think Jay is going to be up there. Um, I'm really excited to see what he can do in person. I think based on just pure raw ability, he's already up there in terms of top athletes. But what I saw at Ellie De La Cruz, uh, oh, yeah. it's going to be really hard to find somebody okay. who's going to be a better athlete than him. I mean, any time a ball Touché. was right down the line or in a gap he was it was automatic automatic three bases um and what he could do defensively in addition uh to at the plate was incredible alan cerda is a phenomenal athlete as well he's another guy that can really push it when that ball you know if you dawdle a little bit uh in center field or in the gap he'll take second base on you he'll take third um and he played a fantastic center field everyone made a big deal about uh what he showed off power wise uh in the second half of the season in daytona and dayton but he was a very very apt center fielder to the point where you almost took for granted um his ability to run down balls in either gap i mean he was he was as close to automatic uh as you could get for that level where do you put where do you put siani in terms of center field defense um, I'm higher on him than uh, I think some other people. Me but, too. Me too. That's why. But I he, he's, you know, he's going to be. And I think he can stick in center field. Um, he's an incredible athlete. He showed off uh, his tools really well in the Arizona Fall League this year, which was a great thing to see um, after sort of up and down season in Dayton. Um, so I think he'll get that opportunity in center field uh, in Double A to start the campaign. Uh, probably something similar to what they did. Uh, with Serda towards the end of the season in Dayton. Um, you know, they've got some, you know, good problems to have at, you know, positions of value like shortstop, catcher, and center field, like you right. mentioned, middle with a lot of guys that can play there, you know, to the point where, you know, people are talking about Austin Hendrick being a center fielder. He rarely played center field at all in Daytona this past season. Um and that's not a knock on his athleticism in the no, it's a good It's a good problem to have. No, so it, it's a great thing that the Reds have so many different guys right. that can do that. And, you know, they're going to have to try and find ways to get these guys reps at those positions and at other spots. Absolutely. I really like the sir to mention there. I was very impressed with what I saw from him. And I feel like he's really underrated. And I especially like the Eladella Cruz uh, mention, of course. Yeah. That was actually going to be my next question. I went to a game at the Jack in, like, July – and I honestly did not know who he was at the time. And he made like three different plays that made me go, wow, who is this? And then I saw him again a couple of times in August. And I'm like, okay, this guy is really legit. Um, and like this whole offseason, I've been talking about him, writing about him. And I'm just really high on Ellie Dela Cruz. I think he's already a top 50 prospect in baseball. I don't know if that's, you know, overvaluing, overvaluing him a little bit. But 
I just, I guess I just want to know your thoughts on him. If you think that his plate discipline will improve enough for him to be a true superstar, if that's, you know, a little bold to throw out there, but yeah, if, if you think he has that kind of elite potential. Um, I think this season's going to be really curious to see um, what he's worked on this offseason to improve that plate discipline. Um, he showed some more ability to walk uh, towards the very tail end of the campaign. Uh, so we'll see if he uh, improves upon that. Um, I'm, there's no doubt he'll start the season in Dayton. Um, you know, he could perform well enough, you know, who knows, maybe in spring training to – uh, to go above that, anything's possible. He's that, you know, kind of uh, uh, talent level. But, I mean, he was – I mean, no one knew anything about him. I remember when he got added to our roster, you looked up the numbers in the, AZ, in the AZL, now the ACL, um, and you're like, you know, this is impressive. So you try, you know, looking through Baseball America and, and you know, MLB.com and, and the Reds media guide and anything – to try and find some information on the guy, and you've got nothing. I mean, you couldn't find one iota of info. And I remember texting uh, Doug Bray of RedsMinorLeagues.com. I was like, do you got anything on this guy? Do you know anything? And he goes, dude, you're going to be the first person to tell anybody anything because nobody, you know, no one's, no one's seen him. There's no, you know, there's no video for most of those games out in Arizona. Um, you know, there's no play-by-play. There's no, you know, you know real consistent coverage. Um, and the first day he's there, I'm sort of half-heartedly paying attention, you know, putting stuff together for the broadcast during BP, and I see a string bean, like, crushing balls off the batting cages in left field, and I'm like, I don't know who that is. Like, that can't, you know, that can't be him. Like, there's no way. You know, there's no way someone that, you know, uh, that thin, that one, that, you know, that wiry is hitting the ball that far, and sure enough, it was him. And within four games, I couldn't believe that this kid was unheard of uh, prior to that. Uh, I mean, what he did, you know, there was a stretch, you know, in the middle, you know, in August with him and, and Serda and Ivan Johnson on fire uh, at two, three and four in the order. And it was incredible to watch. And Hendrick was hot, too, at that time. Um, so, you know, he was unbelievable to watch. And he's got a great work ethic. He's got a great makeup mentally. Um, you know, I made a comment to him, uh, when they updated the rankings in mid season and he wasn't on the top 100 list. Wow. And you know, he, he said to me, you know, Hey, you know, in due time, you know, you know, uh, I'll get there, but you know, you know, they're not ready for me yet. Something along those lines. So, you know, he, he'll, he'll get there. I think he's got the drive to, to continue to improve. Um, and I'm really eager to see what he'll do this season. Yeah, it's really cool just because, like, you know, as you said, when he first was in Daytona, you were basically the first person to get eyes on him. And just yesterday, Baseball America released their rankings, and they had Ellie De La Cruz at number 77. And that's just, you know, wild to me that he went from, you know, in July not being anywhere on their website, and then, you know, six months later, he's in the top 80. That's just – it really just shows how impressive of a player he is. It's amazing. I mean, the only comparison I can think of uh, in my career was my first season with the Tennessee Smokies, and uh, Wilson Contreras went from being uh, a no-name prospect to the top catching prospect in baseball at midseason. Um, and obviously, he's turned that into an all-star career uh, at the major league level. So uh, it's amazing, you know, how some of these guys in this era with so much coverage 
of the minor leagues and of international and amateur prospects that, you know, still there are these guys that slip through the cracks and find ways uh, to surprise guys, um, you know, whether it be at the, you know, low A, double A, or, or even higher. With that being said, who are – I'm an Orioles fan, so we kind of just started the international investment a couple seasons ago. So now some of those players are finally getting to the rookie leagues and the lower minors. Like the Reds have been acquiring talent that way for years, and some of it's actually been pretty good. Who are some names on prospect lists internationally? I know Almonte, the, the center fielder, but who are some other guys that have shown – uh, some skills and, and look like they will be uh, populating the lower minors too for you guys. I mean, we had a, a whole lot of guys this season that are, are really impressive. And, you know, I think what the Reds have done a really good job of is finding guys that uh, aren't necessarily big names, um, whether, you know, that be, uh, you know, predominantly even just signing kids out of, you know, Latin American countries. Uh, Daniel Veohin was not a heralded signing. Um, put up good numbers in the Dominican Summer Leagues, but, you know, wasn't on anybody's real radar. Another guy there wasn't a whole lot of information on coming into the season and by midseason MLB.com had him as one of their uh, top 30 guys in the red system. Yep. The, the job he did defensively uh, this season. Another guy, uh, thinking back to 2019, you know, Ray Vare San Martin, and not even a guy that they signed, a guy they got in a trade, uh, with the Yankees in that, you know, three-team deal that involved Shed Long. You know, he had a, a very solid season in Daytona in 2019, got bumped up in double-A and pitched so well uh, in the majors in a September call-up that he's going to get, you know, some looks to, to potentially make the opening day uh, rotation as well. But, you know, there are a lot of, you know, high-profile signings like uh, your Jose Barreros out there, um, you know, my, I'm curious to see where they'll put Michelle Triana uh, to start 2022. Okay. He had an up and down 2021 season, uh, missed the tail end of it with a thumb injury. Um, he signed for big money out of Cuba in 2019, um, but he's going to be, I think, coming up on his age 23 season. Um, so they might try and push the envelope with him, but they do have guys um, like Malvin Valdez, like Ariel Almonte, um, we'll be curious to see how far they push some of those guys. I believe both of them were in the Dominican Summer League uh, right. past year. Um, but they've done a really good job uh, of signing and developing guys out of Latin American countries, even if they're not, you know, big names. Another guy I just, you know, remembered of uh, who probably start the season and should start the season in the Major League bullpen and probably should have been in the Major League bullpen earlier than he was is Dowry Moretta, who was oh, another guy, like, you know, I knew nothing about him going into 2019. And he was a dominant relief pitcher uh, for the Tortugas that year and uh, did nothing but improve upon that after a year of layoffs. So, um, you know, I'm really curious to see the big name guys, but I'm, I think even even more eager to see this coming spring, the guys that I've got no clue of. Uh, that'll open my eyes this season and open the eyes of Reds fans. I really love the San Martin and Moretta mentions, especially there. Just, you know, they look really good in Daytona in 2019, and it's nice to see them getting recognition, you know, more so this year. And I think they will be major contributors to the Reds at the major league level in 2022. 
And pivoting from international to the draft, uh, looking back at the 2019 draft when the Reds got Reese Hines and Tyler Callahan, two guys with similar profiles in the sense that, you know, their biggest tool was their power. And, of course, we've seen that power shown off uh, in 2021. But both of them dealt with injuries and other setbacks in 2021. So I'm just curious what your expectations are for that duo next season, where you think they're going to start, and if you think that, uh, like what they can do over a healthy season. Um, I mean, I was stunned that Reese came back at the tail end of last season. I did not uh, anticipate that when I heard what the injury was. Um, but the fact that he was able to come back, you know, he suffered it in sort of a freak fashion. Same thing uh, with Tyler Callahan, you know, made a diving play to his right, got up through to first and blew his arm out, um, you know, needed Tommy John surgery. Um, but when both were on the field and healthy, they were uh, outstanding. You know, Reese was so good uh, at the tail end of last year coming off, um, you know, I mean, he had surgery on his knee. I mean, you know, in the middle of the season, came back and hit phenomenally in Arizona and then again in Daytona after he joined us. So, I mean, he'll, he'll start Dayton, you know, if he's healthy, um, he's still super young and, and another guy with great work ethic. Um, you know, one of the great things hearing from both him uh, and Tyler Callahan was, you know, they were both at the alternate site in 2020 and talking about guys like Jonathan India and Christian Cologne, uh, another guy who won a world series with the Royals, you know, taking them sort of under their wing and showing them what it means to be a professional ball player. So um, I know, you know, Reese worked super hard, obviously, to get back this season, and it worked out for him. And I know Tyler is itching to get back as well. I know some people have knocked him defensively. Um, I, I thought he looked fine. I mean, that, what he the play he made was not an easy play, uh, and he made a fantastic play to get to that ball. Um, was showing off really nice things at the plate. I think he would have been – uh, among the league leaders in batting average had he been able to stay healthy uh, during this season. But he's an interesting guy. I'm curious to see what they'll do with him uh, this season because he still is on the younger side. Do they um, you know, have him start the season in Daytona uh, and then try and push him up to Dayton? Or if he's ready to go, um, opening day or whenever in 2022, um, you know, just send him straight up to the Dragons and, and start him up there. Justin, this is kind of my, my, my last question. It's kind of like open-ended, but we're going through some very talented names. Uh, maybe not the highest upside group, but it seems like a very high floor group with a lot of actual usable depth. Like, overall, does the red system get the actual respect that it deserves or is worth? I kind, I, I kind of would think that, that no, it doesn't, but it's a little better than people think. It's definitely better than people think. I think part of the reason being is, you know, they haven't uh, developed that bona fide superstar yet. Um, you know, Jonathan India won Rookie of the Year this season. I think that's, um, you know, a good sign. But they haven't had that one guy that's sort of taken the league by storm, and that's why – um, it sort of get over gets overlooked. They've done a really good job of producing uh, very good major league ball players. Right. Uh, you know whether that be a guy like Tucker Barnhart or you know developing guys like you know that in this you know 
run around of Alejo Lopez, who they drafted uh, in the you know the twenty round you know level, and, and turned into an outstanding you know offensive ball player. And you know I think we'll get an opportunity at the major league level this season uh, a little more frequently as well. Um, so uh, I think the Reds do a great job of developing you know talent, developing guys um, that. Uh, like I said, are, are under the radar that aren't uh, necessarily on that prospect map right away. Um, but once they start developing guys and if they find the ability to develop, you know, Reese Hines, Ellie De La Cruz, Hunter Green, uh, Nick Lodolo into that top flight arm or that, you know, big piece in the middle of the order, um, that'll go a long way. You know, I agree. You know, I, you know, People also forget, I mean, Eugenio Suarez was not, you know, really on anyone's mind when they got him from the Tigers. And he went from being, you know, sort of an afterthought into, you know, an outstanding player. Obviously, he's dropped off some in the last few years, but um, they've found some really good coaches at developing talent. And, and uh, uh, they, you're right, you're right, Eric. They don't, they don't get the credit they deserve sometimes. I agree. I think the red system in general is – underrated and i think that's going to change Good word. yeah and um so this is my penultimate question for you um so i feel like in the like in the middle of the rankings for the red system there's like a almost like a cluster of pitchers who have up a good amount of upside but also you know maybe a lower floor uh some of those guys are like graham ashcraft bryce bonin and um christian roa so I was just curious, um, and there's there's other pitchers who can fit in that group too. So I was just curious uh, if you think any of those guys, or if, even if there was a pitcher I didn't name, which of those do you think takes the biggest step forward next season? Um, that's a great question. Um, I think there's a lot of uh, arms that are uh, up in the air like that. Um, I was really impressed by Bryce Bonin. Uh, and his stint in Daytona, I know he had some up and down moments in Dayton ERA wise, but I think the pure stuff, I mean, he's still racking up uh, a healthy dose of strikeouts at that level. So, I mean, I'm very curious to see where they put him to start this season. Uh, Christian Roa, also another guy, you know, suffered an injury first start. You know, him and Bonin uh, had, you know, the most unlucky start to the season. Bonin got hurt in his first bullpen session after flying in with the team from Arizona and Roa got hurt in the first inning of his first start on opening day. Um, and ultimately both were able to come back and, and get up there to Dayton this season. Um, I know a lot of people are very high uh, on Graham Ashcraft. I'm sure he'll start the season uh, up in AAA this year. Um, I know a lot of people think, you know, he can be a guy that can impact the rotation uh, as early as 2022. But another guy that I thought looked really good, um in daytona this past year in his brief period of time um i wouldn't argue if he started the season with us but i totally understand if they bump him up to dayton is, is andrew abbott uh left-hander from virginia uh pitched really well uh particularly after you know a fairly lengthy layoff between the college world series uh and coming to you know start with us in daytona at the tail end of the year um you know they let him go a little bit longer than i thought they would um, but I think he's a guy that's uh, going to be, you know, someone that's going to could has the potential to rise up the rankings uh, pretty quickly. I think Abbott's a <clears throat> a really exciting name out of that group. All right, good name. Yeah, 
And another guy, there's two other guys that are also worth watching, I think, this season. Uh, Jared Solomon coming off of Tommy John surgery. He looked really good uh, in Daytona when he was still a high A affiliate in 2019 on the 40-man roster. Um, so I'm sure he'll start in double A uh, and get some opportunities to, to prove himself there. And another guy who was a high draft pick. I worked with him uh, in Greenville in 2018, Lion Richardson. Um, he's still right there in the middle of the prospect rankings in the 11 to 20 range. Um, you know, this I think is a big off season for him. Uh, I'm very curious to see what, you know, what happens. My guess is he'll start the year in Dayton again this season. Um, but he's another guy that's, you know, worth watching uh, in terms of, you know, you know, make or break uh, kind of campaigns. Definitely. I, I was a big fan of Richardson back in like 2020, you know, just the, the stuff is off the charts and it really still is just obviously as well in 2021, the numbers, the stats just weren't there for him. So you're definitely right. that This is a pivotal season for him. And before I actually ask my final question, there's one more player I really wanted to touch on. And that is Jose Torres. Um, you know, uh, they drafted him out of NC state. And his debut with Daytona was really, really exciting. I believe he won player of the month in his final uh, month of the season. And I'm just curious um, if you think he starts in high A or double A. And regardless of where he starts, what kind of season you're expecting from him? Uh, it's, a, it's a really interesting question. I think they're going to have some decisions to make um, in terms of, you know, who they need to put where, um, who's most ready. I think Torres could potentially get that bump because he uh, did play, uh, you know, at a high collegiate level at NC State and performed uh, so really? above league average uh, in Daytona in 2021. You know, he was an interesting guy. You know, you read about him coming out of NC State and everything was defense, 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 and it was his bat that really? everybody by storm uh, this season. He's, you know, another guy that, you know, Red's great job, not only uh, of drafting, but scouting um, as well, you know, taking a flyer on Jose in the third round. Um, you know, he showed a really quick bat. Another guy, really, really good athlete, can get out and run some as well. Um, you know, showed surprising pop as well um, from the right-hand side. He really could get into some balls. Um, and another guy is just a ball of energy, always plays with a smile on his face. You know, he hit his first home run in his first game. Uh, with Daytona and the video uh, our camera guys got where, you know, you know, he had a smile on his face his whole way around the bases. And, you know, I asked him about it and he said, you know, that's just sort of the way I play. You know, I, I love baseball and, you know, I'm always smiling when I'm playing baseball. And, um, you know, he's, you know, another guy that's, you know, eats, sleeps and breathes it. And, and uh, um, you know, another guy is certainly worth following. And uh, I'm, you know, really curious to see, you know, where his bat uh, will be uh you know come the middle of 2022 i definitely agree and that's really exciting to hear about torres because i'm also uh really high on him and for my final question for you i wanted to ask about a veteran tortuga player he was with the team in 2017 and 2018 and was not really that high on prospect lists until 2021 when he started to gain some more notoriety after he looked uh, pretty good in AAA and, and uh, in a brief major league debut, uh, put up some good numbers, and that's TJ Friedel. I'm curious if you think he can be um, 
an everyday outfielder with the Reds in 2022, or if he at least can get a bench role on the major league team, or if he's more of a triple-A player in your eyes? Um, I mean, I think he certainly has the tools, if everything works right, to be you know, a fourth outfielder at the major league level. I think that's sort of where um, – you know, I think is the best case scenario. Um, maybe have, you know, a couple of seasons where he outperforms that um, and, you know, slides into, you know, more starting role and plays 100 games a year or so. Um, but he, you know, fits along the lines of some of those guys the Reds have developed that, you know, aren't flashy but are just solid big league players. Um, and I think he's going to get a, a chance potentially, um, you know, to stay at the major league level. Um, I think it's going to be sort of like between him, Alejo Lopez. They got a couple of different guys um, that were at AAA this past season that are just uh, really apt, fundamentally sound, good baseball players. Um, and I think whoever is going to hit the best out of that group and also somewhat of a positional needing of infielder, outfielder goes down, um, you know, one of those guys I think is going to break the major league roster to start the season. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be stunned if both of them found a way uh, to stick there because, you know, just their their dynamics and, and their makeup fit well, not only uh, with what they can do on the field, but they just seem like they're they're really good pieces to have around a locker room and, and um, just bring winning cultures with them. I definitely agree. Friedel and Lopez are definitely two exciting names. And for now, I think that about wraps it up. So. We uh, greatly appreciate you coming on this episode. And uh, for everyone listening, definitely give Justin a follow on Twitter. He is at Justin Rock. That's Rock with an E. Uh, and, yeah, thank you so much for coming on, Justin. My pleasure. Thank you guys for uh, working around the schedules and all that great stuff. And uh, pleasure talking to you. Hope we do it again soon. Absolutely. And for now, thank you all for listening. And stay tuned for our next episode. Peace out.